Good morning, everybody. Pray that the Lord gave you all a wonderful Christmas. And uh, we're approaching the new year as we uh, look to tomorrow and the New Year's Day. When, uh, when my kids ask me what my favorite song is, my response is always, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I love this song that Elena just blessed us with. And, and uh, there's a, a verse that's, that's in this song that says, Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Full arrayed in blood-washed linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Bring thy promises to pass, for I know thy power will keep me till I'm home with thee at last. And that is what we will be looking at this morning in God's word. On that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. It does not get better than that. And so will you join me in prayer as we come before the Lord in his word. Lord God, we, we are so thankful that there will come a day when each and every one of us will be freed from sinning and we will see Thy lovely face. What a promise that is. Assurance that is that that we, your people, will be able to behold you in your glory and to be able to see your face. Lord, I recognize that um, as I stand up here before the congregation, No, no matter how much human effort is exerted, that there, there is no way that I can come close to properly describing your glory, properly describing what it would be like to see your face. But I humbly just call upon you as we look at Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, that you would illuminate your word to us and enable us to get a glimpse of your glory this morning, that it will have an impact on our lives, especially as we approach this new year. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you think of when you think of, of heaven? What comes to your mind? Um, many undoubtedly that are here this morning, you think of being reunited with loved ones. Um, Ones that have gone before us and whom you have missed dearly. I know that. You can look around the congregation and I know that there are people that you're thinking of right now and whom you miss miss dearly. You, You look forward so much to seeing them again. Others of us, when we think of heaven... We might be thinking of how all that we have suffered, the pain that we go through right now, the ailments that we've had, the sickness, all of that will be removed. And you long for that day. 
we were just praying for this service and and talking with some of the pastors and their wives and just thinking of how our bodies are just kind of being shucked away and <laughs> pieces that are being removed and disease that's being taken away, but trials and struggles and difficulties. And, and for some of us who sit in this congregation, you, you think of heaven and you think of all of that will be gone. The pain will be gone. The sickness will be gone. The disease will be gone. As we struggle in sin, with sin in this life, and with temptation and sin, some of us may just look to heaven and just long for the day to be in eternity and never to face temptation again, to forever be freed from sinning as we just, as we just sung. Others, when you think of heaven, you might be thinking of streets of gold and pearly gates and countless angels singing praises to our Lord. I like to just try to put in my mind's eye as many scriptures as I can to try to understand what it might look like there. If you've struggled with anxiety or sadness or depression, you long to enter into the joy of the Lord, just being with him. But this morning, I want to focus on the central aspect of heaven. And what is most to be looked forward to? And that is his glory. Seeing him face to face. When you think of the glory of God, again, I don't know what comes to your mind. You think of scripture after scripture after scripture in which God describes what his glory is like or these little glimpses of his glory. In Psalm 19, verse 1, it tells us that the heavens declare his glory. And so you can look upon the heavens as we are here and I, I, I think of that verse always when I'm in some place like the mountains where the there's no, um, not many clouds or street lights or any of those things. And you can look and just, the sky just lights up. You can see star after star, millions and millions of stars. They declare his glory. Deuteronomy 5.24 tells us that the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And they say, as we heard his voice today in the midst of the fire, we see this reoccurring thing in Scripture of God showing us just glimpses of his glory. Think of during the Exodus where God appeared to his people as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of of light or fire by night to guide his people through the sea and the wilderness. Or at Mount Sinai, where in Exodus 24, verse 16, it says, Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. There he is on Mount Sinai, and and, and the glory of the Lord, we're told, was just like a consuming fire that was up there on that mount. 
In Ezekiel 10, it tells us, as this prophetic vision is given, it says, And I looked, and there in the firmament that was above the head of the, the cherubim, there appeared something like a sapphire stone, having the appearance of the likeness of a throne. And then he spoke to the man clothed with linen and said, Go in among the wheels under the cherub, fill your hands with coals of fire from among the cherubim and scatter them over the city. And he went in, and he went in as, as I watched. And now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple when the man went in and the cloud filled the inner court. And then it tells us, And the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and paused over the threshold of the temple. And the house was filled with the cloud and the court was filled with the brightness of the Lord's glory. And the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard even in the outer court, like the voice of Almighty God when he speaks. And so we have just something awesome taking place as he's writing, this is what I saw. The court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. And then there's these wings of the cherubim. And the sound of the wings, as they heard it, said it sounded like the voice of Almighty God when he speaks. Just as, however it sounded. An awesomeness of just wings. But the brightness, full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. We saw just last week in Luke chapter 2 where... There's a shepherds that are out in the fields keeping watch of their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. This awesomeness of the glory of the Lord. In the New Testament, we go further to see in Matthew 17. Where the Lord takes Peter, James, and John. Leads them up on the high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. And we're told that while he was still speaking, there was a bright cloud that overshadowed them. Suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and they were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. This awesomeness of the transfiguration where he's shining like the sun in full strength. Clothes are as white as light. And their fixation after that is not on Moses, it's not on Elijah, it's not on angels, it's not on anything else but Jesus only. The glory of the Lord and their eyes are fixed on Christ. We're told that when he comes back, in Matthew 24, that he'll come back and it'll be like the lightning that comes from the east and flashes to the west. That it'll be what it looks like. 1 Timothy chapter 6, it tells us he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords who alone has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see. 
to whom be honor and everlasting power. Unapproachable light. And so we see these little pictures of what God's glory will be like. And as many of you know, there's countless more that we could look at. But I want to focus some attention this morning to Revelation chapter 21 and look at what heaven will be like as we see the new heaven and a new earth as John describes it. As we approach the new year, this is one year closer to being with Christ. One year closer. 2019. For some of you, it's just another year. You think, 2019, I was born in whatever year it was. You're young. Um, For others of us, we think, can you believe it's already 2019? 2019. I remember being a little kid and my mom saying, by the time you start driving, it won't even be cars anymore. We'll just be flying from place to place. And so in my mind, it was Jetsons. That's what it was going to be like. The Jetsons flying from place to place. But 2019, looking at how the years have gone by, and they've gone by so quickly, but we are one year closer to being with our Lord. And as we get closer and closer, there ought to be more and more excitement of what it is that we will be seeing. Tasha and I have enjoyed going on several trips over the course of our marriage the last 13 and a half years. And um, in these years, whenever we plan a trip, we, we research it a lot. Where do we want to go? What's there? We don't want to miss anything. What are the things that we must see? And so there's lots and lots of research that goes into wherever we're going to. Um, this morning, we're going to research a little bit into what it's going to look like when we get to heaven. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, let's begin there. John's describing these things, and he says, Now I, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and also there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear. From their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Now just stop in there for a moment. It's already good, isn't it? You picture 
this new city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I could picture it like it was just yesterday. The doors opening at the church where I got married. Where we got married. And seeing my bride. And then watching her walk down that aisle. It's a picture that will never be removed from, my, from the forefront of my mind. But here John's describing this in the glory of what I'm witnessing. The beauty. It's like that. A love that's there, but just glory as this bride adorned from her husband comes down. But a change that's taken place, and those that would have been reading this would have been in awe of it. Now remember, the glory of God is such that, as we'll look at it in a few minutes, you, you couldn't even look upon it. You could see just a glimpse of it. You could see a glimpse of, of God, but you could not behold him. You could not look at him in the Old Testament or even into the New. The transfiguration and what we see in, in these moments, you, they, they're getting a glimpse of the glory. But there is something that's going to change. A loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Awesome. And then he who sat, he who sat on the throne, verse 5, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Write these things down. They're true and they're faithful. Behold, I am making everything new. It's all new. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. I love that the Lord said to John, write these things down. It is faithful and true. You can know these things to be the case. You're not going to get there and have it be where, well, this isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. You know how you, you get a picture of a hotel and you arrive there and it doesn't look anything like the picture? You see a picture of what's this particular place is going to look like. And you arrive there, and it, it doesn't look nearly as good as whoever the photographer was that took those pictures. I assure you that that is not the case here. I assure you that you will get there, and you will think, it wasn't even close in my mind to how glorious it truly was once we get there, once we see it.
And so he says, write these things down because these words are true and faithful. And then there's just this awesomeness about our God. It's done. It's done. It's finished. This entering into heaven, this seeing our Lord, seeing our God. And here Christ is just saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm it. The center of heaven, the center of everything that we hope to see, it's Him. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I'll give the fountain of the water of life freely to Him who thirsts. This fountain that will make you never thirst again. I am the source of that. Every need that you could ever have, every want that you could ever desire, all of it being removed. Him being the fountain that just pours into us and we are fully, 100% satisfied in every respect. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. No good thing will be held back from you. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. The intimacy, the closeness that's there. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. In verse 9, it says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and, and talked with me, saying, Come, and I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. The picture of this is, is, is like a diamond. Her light is like shining through a diamond, this city that is coming down, and, and there's just this brilliance in it. Clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. And the city is laid out as a square. Its length, its length is, is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed. Twelve thousand furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. And then he measured its wall. One hundred and four cubits according to the measure of a man that is of an angel 
the same. The construction of it, its wall was a jasper, was of jasper. And the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, and the twelve gates were like twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the city of the and, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. So here's John trying to describe these things. Now, if you go through and you look at each one of those jewels, and you'll find all kinds of variations in colors. Several different colors: green, reds, oranges, blues, gold. But it coming down, shining with this brilliance like clear crystal. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. There's no going to church anymore. There's no going to the temple as they did in the Old Testament. He is there. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Now what I wanted to spend the most time this morning on is verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Awesome. There is no need for the sun. No need for the sun to shine in it anymore. The brilliance of the glory of Christ is such that there is no need anymore for sun. There's a brilliance that is there in which he is shining in all of his glory to where the brightness of it illuminates everything. To look upon him and to see him in his glory is just truly breathtaking to think of. The description that's given is such that John's just saying the glory of God illuminated everything. To be able to be with him, to be able to see him. Isaiah said the same thing in Isaiah 60, verse 19, where it says, The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor your, for brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you in everlasting light, and your God, your glory. There's a glory that is there in which it is an everlasting light that is there, and it is not fueled by anything that could ever burn away. But it is... God who is there. In verse, verses 4 and 5 of, of Revelation chapter 22, he gives us more detail here where it tells us, and they shall see his face, 
and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. They shall see his face. His face. When you look back to Exodus chapter 33, you know, most of you all will know the story where Moses is there and he says, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory to the Lord. And then God says to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. You shall stand on the rock and it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll cover you with my hand while I pass by. And then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This awesomeness that's there in the Old Testament of Moses, just show me your, your, your glory. Lord, show it to me. Just show me your glory. I want to see your glory. Just show it to me. And Jesus says, you can't. God says, no. You cannot see my face and live. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to bless you. I'm going to put you in the cleft of this rock. You're going to be there. And I'm going to pass by and I'll put my hand over you so that you cannot see my glory. But then when I pass by, I'll make it so you can see me at the very end, my backside, as I, as I go past you. We're told that when he comes down that mountain, his face is still glowing from that. This awesomeness of being able to see the face of God. And then to read in Revelation 22, they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. Belong to him. We're there because of him. But to be able to see his face. Psalm 17 verse 15 says, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake in your likeness. There's something taking place. And all throughout the Old Testament, you find it being reiterated over and over again. This longing to be able to see his face. And to be able to see his face in righteousness. See, Prior to Christ, you could not see his face because there was no righteousness. But to be clothed with robes of righteousness? I talked to Natalie about that last night before she went to bed. The awesomeness of not only having our sins removed, which is incredible to think about as a result of the cross. Our sins paid for, our sins removed, but then going through in detail with her what it is like to have his righteousness put upon us. To have it be, not only does God see you as without sin, it's a good thing, right? But to have him see you fully righteous, with a righteousness that's not your own, a righteousness that's been imputed to you, given to you, the very righteousness of God, I thank God for that. I'll see your face in righteousness. Be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. 
we will see his face. The one in whom is shining with brilliance that lights up New Jerusalem and and whom there's no need for the sun because of the brilliance of the glory of God and whom we will bask in and be able to see and be able to be before and to be able to have it be where he's there and he is with us and he loves us. It is that one in whom we will see his face. And it will not be the face of one who has a crown of thorns. It won't be the face of one who's been spit upon or his beard has been plucked. It won't be the one who's had a bag placed over his face and it's been punched over and over and over again. It will be the face of one who shines with the brilliance of the glory of Almighty God. And it'll be a face that loves us. It won't be that way for everybody, not for the unbeliever. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Behold, he's coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. It goes on in in Revelation chapter 6, verse 15, where it says, And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? And so John's just describing, this is what I saw. He's saying, they were kings. Great men, rich men, commanders, mighty men, slaves, free men. And they're there, and they're hiding themselves in the caves. They're they're crying out for the rocks, for the mountains to fall on them. Their choice is they're there hiding is just fall on us. Make it so that we can't see his face. We don't want to see his face. They're just desiring for the worst possible circumstances as far as rocks and mountains falling upon them because that is still better than to be the, see the face of him who sits on the throne and the wrath of, of the Lamb. It's not, it's not great to see the face of God. If he's your judge and not your savior, right? Every eye will see him, but for those who see him who have not been washed by the blood of Christ, who have not had Christ's righteousness placed upon them, there is a crying out as you're hiding for rocks and for mountains to fall on you. But how different is it for us? Will you look with me at Revelation chapter 7 for a moment? Look look at the difference for us. Revelation 7, verse 9 and following. Again, John's describing the things that he's seeing, and he's saying in Revelation 7, 9, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, 
and crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now just stop for a moment as you think of what it's going to be like in heaven. Know like you will be of these that are participating in this if you trust in Christ in his work upon the cross as your Lord and as your Savior. There's a great multitude. No one can number it. It's from every nation, tribe, people, tongue. And they're there before the throne. They're there before the Lamb. Clothed in white robes. What's the purpose of that? We, we have robes of righteousness that are there that are the very robes of Christ. It is Christ and His righteousness. And we're there. Palm branches in our hands. There's an excitement that is there. But we're saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. He did it all. He did it all. We're here and it's only because of Him. The only reason why we're here is because of Him. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom Thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Now notice, they're not up there saying like, listen to our wings. They're not up there going, look at that pearl. What kind of clam must that have been? I mean, like, they're there just in awe of God. Looking and just saying, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might be to our God forever and ever. And then one of the elders answered and saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I, I said to him, sir, you know, why are you asking me the question? You know. And so he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They came out of the great tribulation and they're forgiven. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. And they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so this one who says, you, you need to be in this rock and hide there and I'll let my hand cover you and then I'll walk by. And that's one of the most glorious times in all of human history in which someone comes close to seeing the glory of God. Because no one can see my face and live. This one who shines as a pillar of light. 
This one who looks like an all-consuming fire. This one who shines in a bush or the one who shines before Saul. This one who shines in his brilliance at the transfiguration. Or this one whose glory is such that people just fall down before him. Is the one who will be in the midst of us. And he'll shepherd us. And then he'll lead us to this fountain, this living fountain of waters. And this same one in whom all who are before him shudder will be the one who takes his finger and wipes away every tear from her eyes. Does it get any more loving than that? The one who is all glorious is the one who has also come in and just saying like, let me just wipe away any The one who shines in brilliance like the sun that's full strength. Zephaniah chapter 3.17 says, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I hope that does something to you that it does to me because I think of him in his brilliance in which he looks like the sun in its full strength, like nothing that you could ever see and live prior to having robes of righteousness and your sin removed, being made such that you have been brought into his family, you belong to him, and now you're able to see him in his glory. And this one... He rejoices over you with gladness. He quiets you with his love. And he rejoices over you with singing. Take that. Knowing he's one who shines in the, like the brilliance of the sun in its full strength. He shines in such a way that there's no need for the sun anymore. There's no night in heaven anymore. He's there in the midst of it. It's coming down like a city, like a diamond in all of its strengths, with all of its colors shining so brightly. And he's the one who says, and I just, I rejoice over you with singing. With singing. There's something so wonderful about being able to see our God. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. We are going to be able to see him face to face and to know things that we only just saw dimly right now. But fully then. Hebrews 1.3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory. 
Christ, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The very brightness of his glory. I'll tell you one thing. When you see him in his glory, there is going to be more joy for us than you could ever possibly imagine. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. When his glory is revealed, you also will be glad with exceeding joy. Jude 1.24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Psalm 16.11, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And brothers and sisters, when, when I go through these scriptures, you're hearing scripture after scripture, knowing that we just are scratching at the surface of these things. I just pick some of my favorites. It's all intertwined throughout scripture as far as what it is to enter into the presence of Almighty God and be before Him in His glory and to have ourselves overflowing with exceeding Joy. That's how it's described over and over again. This exceeding joy that is there as we are before him. And everything will be about him. In Psalm 36 and verse 8 it says, They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. There's this fountain that is there that's reiterated over, it's repeated over and over again in Scripture as far as this fountain that makes it so we don't thirst ever again. And He just gives it to us freely. It just pours into us to where we are satisfied completely in Him. It changes the way we think about things now. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of what? Glory. Of glory. This is our God. In Scripture, we see the Lord called the God of glory. Psalm 29.3 The Father of glory. Ephesians 1.17 The King of glory. Psalm 24, verse 7. The Lord of glory, 1 Corinthians 2, 8. The Spirit of glory, 1 Peter 4, 14. He is one who is all glorious in whom just to be able to behold him is enough for all eternity. Ephesians three sixteen talks about the riches of his glory. The riches of his glory. If 
you came in here this morning and you don't think much about God, no, he is what we are describing it far better. But I guarantee you that there's not one person sitting in this room, in this sanctuary, that has a proper view of the glory of God, myself included. We're scratching the surface as we look at some of these passages. But however big God is in your mind, however great he is, However you picture his love and picture his grace and picture his mercy and picture his glory. However you picture his sovereignty, his control over all things. However you picture his majesty, his omnipotence. However you picture him, he is bigger than that. He is greater than that. The riches of his glory... They're unending. And for that, I'm so thankful that the Lord is also called the God of all grace. It refers to the riches of his grace. It's not just the riches of his glory, but the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins according to the riches of of his grace. In John 1.14, it says, and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. But then it says, full of grace and truth. The one who is all glorious is also the one who is all gracious towards us. His grace abounds. The brilliance of the light shining there in New Jerusalem and no need for the sun is the same one in whom grace abounds from him. It pours forth from him. And he's all that we need. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God shall supply all your need according to the riches, to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It supplies everything that we need. And you know what's precious? The Lord wants us to see his glory. He wants that. Remember when Jesus is praying to the Father in John 17? Part of his prayer there is this. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory which you have given me. Father, I desire that they, us, here also, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. I want them to see my glory. I want them to see it. What a prayer. 
to see the glory of the Lord. We have something to look forward to. Being before him. No need for the sun. He shines in all of his brilliance. And there will come a day where we get to see him face to face. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord, to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. We will meet him in the clouds, in the air. And we will always be with the Lord. We will always be with him. And then Paul closes with this. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. May that be a comfort to you this morning. May you look at 2019 in light of there is coming a day where you will see him in all of his glory. In stuff, things, material things, things that drive our pride, things that we get consumed with, not going to matter. What will matter is, and thus, we shall always be with the Lord. We will see him face to face in the brightness, the fullness of his glory. And we will always be with him. Comfort one another with these words. Let's pray together. Lord God, um, thank you for showing us this morning just a glimpse of your glory. We've had dear ones in this last year who have gone home to be with you. Over these past years, there's those that have gone before us who we love, have our hearts. We think of them daily. And they are with you. They're with you. May we just have a a joyful, comforting desire to be with you. A longing to be with you. Anticipation to be with you. Just as you are the center of everything that takes place in the heavens. Shining with all of your brilliance. May you also be the center of our lives here till you come.
or till you take us home. May you shine with brilliance in our lives that we would reflect your glory to those that are around us. May we just have a passion to glorify you, to tell others about you. May it consume us to where we just want others to know about the greatness of our God. May that be what we bleed and what we breathe and what we think. I pray that as we go into 2019, it would be all about enjoying you and who you are and telling others about you. May we find ourselves resting in you, in your sovereign grace, resting in you who never changes resting in you who wipes away tears and who rejoices over us with singing. But may we just be centered upon glorifying you here in this life as we approach 2019 by your strength, by your enabling. We long to be with you. It's a far better thing to be with you. May we wholeheartedly glorify you till that day comes. And may it begin by the way that we sing these last couple songs. Be glorified now through our praises. Be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.